Welcome to Wednesday's Richie Allen Show. How are you doing? It's May the 4th, 2022. Big day for Star Wars fans, apparently. Apparently. Happy May the 4th day, then, if you're a Star Wars enthusiast. I've got a very good guest for you this hour. Then, in the second hour, it's over to you. I'll be taking your phone calls through Skype or through the telephone. It's entirely up to you. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yes, uh, David Curtin from the Heritage Party, the founder and leader of the party, will be on to talk to me. David is moving up in the world. We love David Curtin. Uh, you got to mention in the New York Times today, because he's been speaking out about the US Supreme Court and its alleged interest in repealing abortion laws or striking down Wade versus Roe. You've been following this. We'll talk about that with David, but also about the local elections tomorrow and a few other things as well. David Curtin, always interesting this hour. And in hour two, it's over to your good self. I'll be taking your phone calls in the second hour. If you haven't got the details, they're on my website and they're on the Facebook page too. Wrong jingle! It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Barry, I told you, it's the other jingle, Barry. There is no Barry, it's just me. Whenever there's a mistake, it's me. Because I'm in Egypt. That's E E J I T. It's a real word. Look it up. Two minutes past the hour. Yeah, David Curtin, you will call me, won't you, in the second hour. Facebook.com, PBG Richie is where you'll find the meme with the numbers. I'll give them to you five or ten more times between now and six o'clock. It's uh, the news then. Now, this is hugely important. Remember a federal judge ordered Pfizer to unseal documents pertaining to its COVID-19 vaccine trials? Remember, remember? You do. And you will remember the mainstream media effectively ignored the federal judge ruling in the United States that Pfizer should release all of those documents. It's happening in stages. Yesterday, 80,000 more documents were released by Pfizer per, as per the court's ruling. 80,000. In case you didn't understand that, if you're in Northern Ireland, 80,000. Thousand, 80,000. And the information contained within the documents released yesterday is equal parts staggering and unsurprising, if you can say that. Contradiction. Staggering but unsurprising. It's possible. You're not really surprised, but still you take a deep intake of breath, if you can say that. Anyway, not a whisper from the media today. You know how every doctor in the world on every news channel in the world said that pregnant women should have COVID jabs? Remember the campaign? How relentless it was for pregnant and lactating women to come and be jabbed. You'll remember this, of course, because I covered it on this programme. In fact, I was able to find several doctors and scientists to come on this programme to say that a pregnant woman should run a mile or a hundred or 250,000 miles away from any of the jabs. Yet the media, 
the media's doctors and politicians were relentless in their campaign. Posters, you had the bus shelter posters, you had the billboards on the highways, pregnant women come and be jabbed even though COVID doesn't touch young people really and there was no evidence whatsoever that the COVID would be of any threat to the fetus in the lady's belly. None, but the media and the political class said women should come and have it. Here in the UK, they they recommended Pfizer and Moderna jabs for pregnant women. Pregnant ladies, they said, you, you should go for Pfizer or for Moderna. Amazingly enough. Now, today, this afternoon, I checked the government website to see, in light of the 80,000 documents released yesterday, if there had been any change to the government advice. And there isn't any change to the government advice. It's still urging women to come forward and have a Pfizer or a Moderna vaccine as soon as possible. The government here is recommending that women shouldn't delay vaccination until after they have given birth. No. Get it now to protect you and your baby. That is still on the government website. Check it out if you don't believe me. Why? Why? Why is he going on about this? Well, well, Pfizer, Moderna vaccine, still the preferred vaccines for pregnant women in the UK. And We learned yesterday, and again, some Twitter people, some Twitter accounts and one or two independent content creators are talking about this, but nobody else. Pfizer's scientists concluded, we learned yesterday, uh, just after I came off air, in fact, this happened. Pfizer's scientists concluded, are you ready for this? This is um, at the conclusion of Pfizer's COVID jab trials, at the conclusion On fertility, pregnancy and lactation, pregnancy, there are no or limited amount of data from the use of COVID-19 mRNA vaccine BNT162B2. It's a Pfizer jab. Animal reproductive toxicity studies have not been completed. COVID-19 mRNA vaccine BNT162B2 is not recommended during pregnancy. It isn't. Uh, For women of childbearing age, pregnancy should be excluded before vaccination. I love that. Uh, Just um, do not even think about having, uh, conceiving before having the jab. In addition, says Pfizer's scientists at the conclusion of the trials, women of childbearing age should be advised to avoid pregnancy for at least two months after their second dose. Couldn't be clearer. Goes on to say breastfeeding. It is unknown whether COVID-19 mRNA vaccine BNT162B2 is excreted in human milk. It is unknown. A risk to the newborns, infants, a risk to the newborns slash infants cannot be excluded. Cannot be excluded. COVID-19 mRNA vaccine BNT162B2 should not be used during breast feeding. And on fertility, it is unknown whether COVID-19 mRNA vaccine BNT162B2 has an impact on fertility. It is unknown. That emerged yesterday. You would imagine that producers in the UK's newsrooms around the country would be rushing to get this on the air, right? And demanding that the government put spokespeople on the air to answer for this. Pfizer 
had to release these documents under duress. They were compelled to do so by a federal court judge. Now, presumably, Minister Sajid Javid, Secretary for Health or Health Secretary, presumably June Rain at the MHRA, the Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency, the woman responsible for passing a drug into the country, passing it, admitting it, and putting it on sale. Presumably June Rain read that information about pregnant women and lactating women should not have the jab under any circumstances. Why, why did you promote it? Matt Hancock, former health secretary, why did you promote a jab for pregnant women? When you had no idea, not only did you have no idea whether it was safe or not, but you had Pfizer's own trial data saying that pregnant women shouldn't have the jab. You should be under arrest, shouldn't you, Mr Hancock? And Mr Javid and Mr Johnson and Mr Sunak and Jacob Rees-Mogg and all the rest of them. This is monstrous stuff, this. But you're not going to be hearing this on the nine o'clock news this evening. No. Do you know a pregnant woman, do you? Do you know someone who's just announced she's pregnant? Could you ask her, have you been jabbed? Just ask, you know, you might save her life, the life of her unborn child. You haven't? No? Well, listen, don't. Have a look at the documentation that Pfizer wanted to keep secret for 75 fucking years. Have a look at that. Do you wonder now why they wanted to keep it secret for 75 years? Do you contemplate that? Hmm... You won't be hearing that on Sky News today, or the BBC, or Channel 4, or GB News, and Talk Radio, which uh, has styled itself, has set itself up as the home of free speech, bollocks, nothing like it, they won't talk about it either. You'll only hear about it on radio, on this programme, the only programme in the country talking about this today. The time is ten minutes past five. If you know anybody thinking of having a baby is about to have a baby and hasn't had the Pfizer or Moderna or any other jab, tell them this is real. This is real. It's right there in their own bloody results, their trial data. It's not recommended during pregnancy. Women of childbearing age should avoid pregnancy for at least two months after their second dose. And there's a lot more, by the way, in those Pfizer documents that I'll get into Maybe later on we might get into it during the phone-in. A lot more about adverse events during the trial uh, period, during the trialling of this uh, jab that isn't a vaccine. Lots and lots and lots of serious adverse events. 1,200 deaths, apparently, in the Pfizer documents. 11 minutes past five. So much to get through on the programme today. David Curtin joining me. In around about 10 to 15 minutes time, shortly after that, I'll be taking your calls. Isn't it amazing? Just this afternoon, nearly 24 hours after the Pfizer documents were released, the 80,000 docs, 24 hours later, <clears throat> on the website for the Vancouver Sun, Canadian newspaper, there's a story on the website recommending that pregnant women go and get jabbed because, according to the Vancouver Sun, there's a study which has found a link between miscarriage and COVID-19. This is bullshit. In my opinion now, I can't prove it's bullshit, but I don't believe it. I would bet my life savings, which isn't very much anyway, that this is a lie. A lie that there is a link between miscarriage and the virus COVID-19. It's a convenient lie. Look at this. 
You might lose your baby. Have the jab. But, but before you do, look at Pfizer's own trial data. It says you shouldn't have the jab. What about all of those politicians and journalists who recommended you have the jab? They knew this. They knew it. They had access. June Rain from the MHRA must have had access to that trial data and the conclusions within that data. Conclusions like pregnant women shouldn't have a jab. It's uh, 12 and a half minutes past the hour. Let's talk very briefly about a bloke called James O'Brien from LBC Radio. When, when you spend your career, your, your entire broadcasting career, trying to convince your listeners of your worthiness, of your decency, when you lay it on your listeners day in, day out, year in, year out, that you are a truly wonderful human being, that you are an intellectual that you are a champion of the downtrodden, a crusader for human rights, the rights of minorities, the rights of LBTQ++ people, the rights of migrants, when you have invested every fibre of your being in that project to place yourself on a pedestal and you are always looking for the opportunity to signal to your audience just how virtuous you are and then you hear that the US Supreme Court may strike down the landmark legal ruling 1973, Roe v. Wade. You're James O'Brien, and you think to yourself... Enough of that. Let the games begin. Haven't done it for a bit, but in a moment, it's the Virtue Signalling Chart Countdown for Wednesday, May the 4th. Not done this for a long time. More than a year. Uh, Before we get to that, let's hear a little of James O'Brien's passionate defence of the right of the woman to choose termination if that's what she wants. James O'Brien. I didn't think this day would dawn, actually. I went to a Catholic school and I was adopted and I was a debating champion. What? Debating champion. Got to get that in. We might come back to that. Go on then, Partridge. Let's hear some more. You know, Richard Medley loves this guy, by the way. Abortion was, apart from fox hunting, abortion was the absolute guaranteed topic to be debated by public school boys in the 1980s. Absolutely guaranteed. And because I went to a Catholic school where the... I'm going to say indoctrination. I apologise if you've got a problem with that. Where the indoctrination was pretty much complete. And because I was adopted as a consequence of, partly as a consequence of adoption being illegal in Ireland in 19... of abortion being illegal in Ireland in the 1970s, I had a really, I thought, a really strong line on this. Yeah, so he received indoctrination and brainwashing at Catholic school. But and because I was adopted as a consequence of partly as a consequence of adoption being illegal in Ireland in 19, of abortion being illegal in Ireland in the 1970s, I had a really, I thought, a really strong line on this. Right, but Catholicism saved your life, James, because your your teen mum in 1972 didn't have easy access to an abortion clinic, and she chose not to go to England. Thankfully. 
a bit more gratitude wouldn't go astray now to the anti-abortion laws in Ireland in the 1970s, James. Not that I'm saying I agree with them. I'm agnostic on this, kind of. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm a bit more leaning towards my my Christian friends and their feelings on it. But a little bit of gratitude now would be well-placed, wouldn't it? Brainwashed I was, indoctrinated I was, but, but mummy didn't have an abortion because you couldn't have an abortion in Ireland in 1972. Anyway, a little bit more. James is horrified that people are debating the morality of abortion and when a termination is acceptable. We shouldn't even debate it. It breaks my heart that this is back in the news and back on the agenda. I find it horrible. Truly horrible. It's not that horrible, is it? Is it really horrible that the US Supreme Court is debating or raising the spectre of abortion again and when people should have abortions and not? It's not horrible, really, is it? This is is a bit crap. The, The forces of evil are once again massing at the gates of society, in this case America. The forces of evil are massing at the gates of society. Holy Jesus. What, what you mean is people who don't like the idea of abortion, people who are have a moral objection because they believe to their bone marrow, and I'm not saying I agree with them or that I disagree with them. You're calling people evil who believe to their bone marrow that a life has been created at the moment of conception, or at least after a few weeks, evil? I don't think they're evil. I think they have a point of view that deserves to be heard. America, but when America sneezes, we generally catch a cold. And trying once again to, to deny women bodily autonomy, uh, 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 to subjugate them and to tell them what they can and can't do. Subjugate? With their own bodies. I don't think this is a, a, a conversation that lends itself to meaningful debate. I really don't, uh, any more than conversations about paedophilia. But isn't that your job? And you're not really comparing and contrasting debating issues around paedophilia and abortion, are you? That's pathetic, really. It's hardly journalistic. One thing has got nothing to do with the other. Nobody who's got a right mind thinks that it's okay to be a paedophile, James. Nobody within their right mind. But I know a lot of right-minded, thoroughly decent people who are appalled at the prospect or the concept of abortion. Not that I agree or disagree with them, but they're damn good people. So surely the debate is worthwhile and important? Would be lending themselves to to meaningful debate. It is so obviously and so completely wrong. No, but it isn't, you see, because it isn't black or white. There are shades of grey. That's how it used to be. That's what the journalist does, the real journalist. He or she sees shades of grey. There are many nuances to this conversation. It isn't black and white. If you are against abortion, you're evil. If you are for the rights of the woman, you are a virtuous champion a real man, a decent man, a liberal. To outlaw abortion, that I'm not really interested in hearing from various dinosaurs, religious bigots, misogynists, sexists or rape apologists um, about why they're in favour of it. Told you Richard Madeley loves this guy, as does Ricky Gervais. This guy's making it impossible for satirists to do satire. 
But anyway, let's have a special edition of the Virtue Signalling Countdown Chart. We've not done this for 18 months at least. Today, it's a special day because it's dominated by one artist and one artist only. You've guessed it. It's James Anthony Aloysius Alan Partridge O'Brien. Let's have the chart. At number five, all brand new entries, by the way, because it came from today's monologue, it's James O'Brien. James is filled with horror and with heartbreak. And, and I hate it for a million reasons. I hate it for the horror I feel and the, and the heartbreak I feel at the thought of women being forced into these sort of positions by men, largely. And I hate it because it makes me feel a little bit guilty about how unquestioningly I swallowed the religious line when I was a kid, but hey-ho, you know, better late than never. Better late than never. In at number four, James wonders why do anti-abortion lobbies not care about people who managed to get out of the womb? They care about the baby in the womb, but they don't care too much about the babies that got out of the womb. We're trying to get inside the heads once again of people that we don't understand. But I think that's a very valuable human endeavour. I think it's possibly the most valuable human endeavour of all. So you look back over the history of the so-called abortion debate and you tell me why the people who claim to care so much about the unborn are almost always the people who care the least about the born. They care the least about the poor. They care the least about the desperate. They care the least about the disabled quite often. About the disabled. It's very smashy and nicey, isn't it? He doesn't want us to forget the migrants either in at number three. And the most obviously, we've got children coming over in boats to this country now. They've been given an exemption from the Rwandan deportation. But the kind of people, particularly in America, I hope not so much here, but the kind of people who claim to care about the unborn couldn't give a fig about the born. Just talk me through that. Couldn't give a fig about the born. Could you talk James through it? In at number two, it's it's James O'Brien. He had an epiphany at the thought that his teenage girlfriend might have been pregnant and he realised that from then on, whatever she decided had nothing to do with him. What a man, in at number two. It was only the, 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 the thought that um, that that my girlfriend had got pregnant that made me change my view almost in a in an instant. Very simply, I realised in that moment that it had absolutely nothing to do with me. If nothing. she had been pregnant, what she did would be entirely her decision. <laughs> it was her body, it, 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 and it was literally like the clouds parting. It was what a man! An incredible. Well, I'm going to say penny drop moment because that's the phrase we use on the programme but it feels a bit inadequate in the context of this conversation, doesn't it? What a man, he is practically perfect in every way and today's number one How do you squeeze in a shameless boast about your debating skills when complaining about anti-abortion laws? Kill it, James, this is the number one I didn't think this day would dawn, actually I went to a Catholic school and I was adopted and I was a debating champion. Counted off, I went to a Catholic school, I was adopted, and I was a debating champion. It's time to play the music, it's time to light the light.
James O'Brien isn't a caricature, he's a real man. He actually exists. That's a real radio show. It isn't a Ricky Gervais, Stephen Marchant comedy sketch. That is absolutely bloody real. Shall we get David Curtin on the programme? I think we should, and while we get David on, let's listen to the Walker Brothers and No Regrets. I'm Richie Allen, by the way. Welcome. Yeah, the Walker Brothers on the Richie Allen Show. No regrets. 26 and a half minutes. It is past five o'clock. Let's uh, welcome back to the programme the founder and leader of the Heritage Party. It's our friend David Curtin. Welcome back, David. Hi, Richie. Good to be with you. It's always good to have you on. You're moving up in the world. I read every major newspaper in the world. When I say every major one, the major capital cities. And there I am reading the New York Times. And my pal is given a mention. Because uh, as the Times did a piece, I'm sure you know this, where it was looking at the reaction to Roe versus Wade, the Supreme Court repealing abortion, all of that. Looking at reaction around the world. And there you were, founder and leader of the Heritage Party, David Curtin. You're moving up, my friend. Thank you. I didn't even know that I was in the New York Times or anything like that. But it was something I no, I had to speak out about because, you know, I'm I'm pro-life. The Heritage Party is pro-life. And um, I think it's fantastic that they've come to that decision. It's great. So, um, yeah, really good that they picked up on my comment because, you know, it, this is something obviously is going to affect America uh, in a really good way if it goes through. Um, but also we need that here as well. You are um, someone who I've spoken with many times about the right of the individual to do what's best for for them. Now, I know you're going to give me an argument and you'll get plenty of room to do it. We, we, we will, of course, talk about tomorrow's, um, obviously, the, the election tomorrow. And, and I know the Heritage Party is running candidates. We'll talk about that. And I know you'll give me the, the stock argument about it's not just, you know, the rights of the mum. We've got to factor in the rights of the unborn child. I'm not a fence straddler by nature, but I'm, I don't know where I am on, on this, to be honest, right? But what about the rights of a woman? I can't get my head around this. When a woman says it's my body, my choice, if I do not want to carry the child to term, I shouldn't have to do that, regardless of how repulsed or how put off by that anybody else is. It's my choice. I should have that right. You say no. Yeah, I mean, is what you said in, 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 in a bit of what you said in, in that sort of leading up to the question there is that it's the rights of the child. And, you know, I believe that birth, life begins at conception. So from conception, uh, that is uh, a human being. When an egg is fertilized, it's it's only a single cell, but it's 100% human and it grows and grows. And even from three weeks, so all of the organs, the features of a human being are there, even in a little tiny um, baby there that is in the mother's womb. And it has the right to life. So I would say unborn children are children and they have the same right to life as uh, anyone who's been born. Um, you may not agree with that. And, you know, some people don't have the same worldview it's based on other things and i can see you know from a point of argument if you don't believe life begins at conception some people would say it's just a clump of cells and then you can dehumanize it like that the baby like that and then you that gives you the excuse to carry out abortions but i don't subscribe to that point of view life begins at conception and that's why i'm pro-life and i'm against abortion you do well, I think, to acknowledge the 
the other side of the argument. There are those, who, of course, who say, including scientists, that it's a group of cells. It isn't yet um, a human child. Not to spend too much time on this, even though it is a serious issue. How far would you take it? You know, somebody who believes in freedom and, you know, the autonomy of people to do for themselves. How far would you take it? Would you go as far as if you had your way, if you were appointed King Solomon tomorrow, he said, right, David, you get to decide what goes and what doesn't go. Would you physically prevent people? I mean, would you, given the the chance, would you physically stop a woman from making a journey to where she could have an abortion? What I'd like to do is um, repeal the Abortion Act 1967 in Great Britain and then also the repeal the separate laws that apply to Northern Ireland, which are actually far more uh, liberal, if you like. It allows abortion up to birth. Um, So they have a different law that was brought in by um, Labour MPs, mostly in Westminster, but obviously a lot of Tories supported that. Um, So I get rid of those laws so it's not legal and it wouldn't be provided on the NHS. Um, you know, if someone wants to break the law, uh, you know, they can try and break the law if they want to. But, you know, if they're found out breaking the law, then particularly the person who carries out the abortion and does the killing uh, should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Absolutely. What about the, I asked um, Jackie Devi on the programme yesterday. Jackie's a really good journalist and uh, I, I think she, she'd be, I think her views would align with yours on on many things. I asked her about, because the the argument is brought up regularly about what about the woman who becomes pregnant through abuse, uh, sexual abuse or through rape. And I'm very, very, um, I do as best as I can to be objective on this issue as much as any other issue. And I used to think that this was an extreme case, you know, being brought up that when when um, pro-abortion people brought this up, I used to think, well, there can't be too many incidents of that. But Jackie, who's a very reliable journalist, said, well, it's far more common than we would think someone becoming pregnant, a lady becoming pregnant after being abused or raped. I couldn't ask or expect that woman to carry to term that child, David. I, I see no good coming from that. I see no good in the future when you've got to explain to the child that the father was a monster. So I'll put that to you and then we'll move on and we'll talk about the election, which is important. Go ahead. Yeah, it's the most difficult question that I get asked. And you know, I, I fully understand how horrible it is. You know, rape and abuse is absolutely hideous. And, I, you know, I don't know if your journalist was just speaking in generalities about, you know, what, what she knows about the numbers. I mean, I, di- I didn't hear any specific numbers in there, but no. I think it is very, very rare. You know, and the vast majority of cases of abortion are mostly simply for convenience. So, you know, I think if we put those you know, that extreme case to one side, we could probably agree that the 99% plus of cases that don't involve that, you know, we, we could happily get rid of them with, with no um, compunction whatsoever. But even in those cases, there is a human life, the child, it's a living child, it's a living human being who is completely innocent, who's done no wrong, and doesn't deserve to die. Uh, it, it's, it's, um, it's a really, really difficult situation. And you know, I, I know, and I, I can't imagine the pain uh, of, of a woman when that's happened. But you have a child there, 
and you have to balance the right to life of the child with with everything else and so i would fall down and say the right of life the right to life of the child is the most important factor in, in that case we'll leave that one there thanks for that now the the heritage party your party the party you founded and lead you are uh, putting up candidates in tomorrow's local elections around the country i i know places like woking and and bradford and i think you've you've done well to to get together an, a number of candidates what 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 are your hopes for tomorrow what do you think what are you looking forward to I, first of all, I want to do better than last year and get a higher vote share than we did last year. We stood, um, you know, a few dozen candidates last year. We've got a um, couple of dozen, well, 18 this year, so um, uh, standing in England and Wales and Northern Ireland. So that's one thing. That will be one measure of success. But I would love to get some people elected. So I'm really hoping that that happens because I know that people are so completely fed up of both the Tories and the Labour with lots down with wokery, with immigration, with uh, financial irresponsibility, massive national debt, um, you know, public services not working properly, everything, the country is going to the dogs with these two parties. So we're providing an alternative that's common sense that will restore our heritage and sanity where we can. So I really hope we get some some councillors, um, particularly also, you know, in Northern Ireland. Uh, we have uh, Glenn Beatty standing there for the Northern Ireland assembly for the first time uh we got someone there and for upper band constituency so i'm really hoping that he'll get in on the proportional um system which proportional is you know, representation easy to yeah. get in than the first past the post yeah the single transferable vote just in case our listeners are not familiar with the proportional proportional representation system if it um, if we had it in england i'll explain it very briefly and i was in london and david wanted to be an MP in London and maybe there were six MP positions in London. I would get to go and vote and vote for David, but I would give David my number one. I could then put number two alongside my second preferred candidate and number three and so on. And what, what would happen then is there would be a figure, there would be a threshold, a vote threshold, a number, right? And after they count all the votes the first time, David might get in after the first count. So he's in. So my number two vote then counts and we count all the number twos. That's how it works anyway. I've probably made a very haphazard uh, explanation of that, but that's how it is. Isn't it interesting? I'm an Irish Republican, right? I think I've said this to you before. And um, they're getting very excited today about the prospect of Sinn Féin becoming the majority party in Northern Ireland. And because of my past as a, as a journalist who, you know, a pr pretty well-known Republican, no, no, no connections now with any, um, you know, dissident groups or terrorist groups at all. But I would have voted Sinn Féin in Waterford when I was a younger man, people that I liked and knew, community people. But I'm, I'm getting messages from people this morning saying, oh, won't it be great, Richie? If, Shane, if Sinn Féin becomes the majority party, there might very well be a border poll then and we might be a step closer to a united Ireland. And I said to a guy today, and I've not heard back from him, I think he's disgusted. I said, first of all, um, Brandon Lewis is not going to give Sinn Féin a border poll. And even if it did and it won and there was a vote in Northern Ireland to join the Republic of Ireland, 
There's nothing to celebrate about that. Ireland is pretty much a fiefdom of Brussels, right, David? I mean, yes. Ireland is long gone. It doesn't matter anymore whether Ireland is independent or whether Ireland is united, whether we reunite the six counties. It doesn't matter. Ireland is dead and gone. It's just basically a vassal state of the EU. Well, I think the best thing for the Republic of Ireland is to leave the EU and come into a customs union uh, with the UK. That makes sense because they do the vast majority of their trade in goods That's with right. the UK. So uh, it doesn't make any sense at all to be in a customs union with France and the Netherlands, but not with the UK. It's ridiculous. So you know they joined the EU at the same time as we did for that very reason. Now we've left the EU, they should come out with us as well. Um, you know, but, but honestly, I, I think a lot of people actually are turning off Sinn Féin because as well as being you know, Irish Republican, they've gone down the whole road of wokery. Big time. You know, supporting transgenderism, supporting Black Lives Matter, supporting immigration and all these kind of things that you get from the hard left of Labour in the UK. And I think a lot of Catholics who are socially conservative are actually getting really, really turned off of them and uh, looking for an alternative, even though they're Republicans. So you've got that tension now, the same kind of tension you have in England with the people in the red wall seats in the north who used to vote Labour, still maybe vote Labour, but are really disgusted at their wokery. And then, you know, obviously in 2019, a lot of them voted for Boris. Now they turned off him as well. Um, but you've got that same kind of thing in Northern Ireland. So it's going to be interesting. And I don't know if it's going to be a walk in the park for Sinn Féin, like some people are saying. That's very interesting. You might very well be right. Conservative Catholics might be peeved off with uh, with them. They, they have swallowed the walkery thing. And to be fair, they've always pushed the climate nonsense. I, I say nonsense, that's my opinion. I should put the caveat, that's just my opinion. But they've pushed that pretty hard as well. And uh, I, I believe they're pretty sympathetic to just stop oil and Extinction Rebellion, a bunch, I'm not going to swear, a bunch of absolute... No, do you know what? I'm not. I'm going to be fair. I think a lot of these so-called activists for Extinction Rebellion and Just Stop Oil or Stop Oil Now, whatever they're called, I think many of them have been terrified by the propaganda of, of this climate change lobby. And I think you can see it in the rise, some of these children. They genuinely believe that the world is teetering on the edge of you know, existence. And uh, maybe I should be a bit more sympathetic to some of the young men and women. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, two things on that. I mean, the, the climate alarmism, it goes along with a whole package of wokery, doesn't it? It's just another strand of it in order to get power to the the big, big corporations and globalist organisations that want to take away our freedom and individual liberty. But you're right. I think children have been absolutely um, scared to death and be, by the stuff that is taught to them in the schools. And you know, you've got activist teachers and, and all these sort of woke areas but climate alarmism is one of those things that you know it's it's sort of been embedded in all of the different subjects you do a, a science lesson you get climate alarmism you do an english lesson a history lesson you, you get climate alarmism you're taught the world is going to end and and kids you know they get frightened easily um and they believe what, what the teachers say you know they they would take it a lot of the time at face value without having the the skills developed in order to do 
critical thinking and question uh, what's been taught them. So it is absolutely terrible how they've been frightened. And then, of course, they've got the young role models that have been created for them, like Greta Thunberg, you know, this Swedish teenager who doesn't go to school much yeah. and they they think it's wonderful to follow this girl who's like uh, uh been set up as a hero for them when actually they're just being led in the wrong direction um and by the wrong science i should say as well and you're well placed to talk about to, to talk about how impressionable children and young adults are as a as a teacher yourself a former teacher let let me um put, put this to you you are a very presentable, highly articulate, intelligent communicator. You are. I'm not kissing your arse. You are. And I, I'm, an, I'm an old socialist and a trade unionist. And I suppose historically they would have pitted you against me and they would have said that these two guys are choking cheese. But of course, I, I, I've always known different, that that's not true. Why is it, do you think, that, you know, you've hinted at this before, you represent things, and I believe you're sincere. You know, I shouldn't say that. It's not for me to endorse you. I'm not endorsing you, but mm. I believe you're sincere. You represent ideas that I like, that, that, that I think work, you know, telling people, we don't want to take your money. We want you to keep more of your money. We want to give you more control over your own lives. We want to take the state out of micromanaging your life. We don't want to poison your children in school. I love the things you stand for. Now, you are not alone. There are one or two others like you. I won't name them. Presentable, decent, good track record. You know, you've got no skeletons. Well, you might have the odd bone or two. We all do. <laughs> Why is it so hard for traditional left voting people to cross some imaginary line and say, right, David, I'm going to give the Heritage Party a vote. I imagine you're going to mention the media, but is it more complicated than that? I, I think that there's a sort of sense of tribalism that that is um, it, it, we're naturally as human beings, tribal people. We grow up in a community, we grow up, um, you know, in a town or something. And part of growing up is that you you have a political color. You know, a lot of people, they vote for who their parents voted for, their grandparents voted for because they just simply don't question it. You know, that's just how it's always been. But it is breaking down. You know, we have seen obviously with the whole Brexit thing going back eight years or so before the referendum, a lot of people, um, surprisingly for UKIP, who were, who were the party at the time, I was in UKIP at the time, um, it, was, it was aimed mostly at sort of the middle class, middle England in the shires. But it was a, quite a big surprise to UKIP actually to find out there was massive support for Brexit in the north, in the Midlands, in the sort of red wall areas, yeah. as we call them now. And then that was trans transferred to Boris in 2019, as we mentioned before. Now that's going and it's looking to be transferred somewhere else, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, I think, I hope that people will look at the Heritage Party where we're standing, particularly, you know, we, we're standing in Bradford. Uh, I've got a candidate there. So that's going to be a really um, big test and very interesting to see what the result there is of our candidate in, in Bradford. Um, just the kind of place that, um, you know, we, we'll see if we can pick up, uh, if people come come and vote for us because they are moving and shifting away from the old loyalties, the old tribal loyalties. Yeah, you made a good point there. Trade unionists traditionally were terrified of the European Union mm. and increasing alignment with Brussels and giving more and more control to Brussels. 
And those trade unions, I've seen this over the years with my own eyes, those trade unionists were ultimately replaced. That's what happened. They were replaced with yes men and yes women. You see trade unionists today actively working to keep people out of work by getting them free tests, tests that are faulty to begin with, and, and, and people taking them that don't even have a temperature. I mean, what has happened to the trade union movement? I mean, the things you've said to me over the years we've been speaking, are, you, you echoed the things that I heard at trade unionist meetings years and years and years ago. And it's astonishing. And that's what really kind of irks me or pisses me off, that in the working communities, that people can't divest themselves of the social democrats which, which are the Labour Party, because the Labour Party isn't a socialist party. It isn't. It's a social, dem- social, social mm-hmm. democracy, which is something completely different. And, and I wish they could get away from that and see that, well, you know, there are people saying things, you know, and, and advocating for you on issues that the trade unionists used to do decades ago, but they don't do yeah. anymore. I mean, Tony Benn, I mean, I met Tony Benn. He was a curmudgeonly bastard. Not the <laughs> nicest guy in the world at all. But he was a principal bloke. There was never a more anti-European Union politician. Even Jeremy Corbyn, before he sold, he sold to the devil. They knew what Brussels, what what membership of the Union would do for the working man, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting you're talking about trade unions because, you know, uh, I I myself now do work for a trade union as well as being the leader of the Heritage Party just from time to time as an employment representative. And it's it's a really interesting thing how the sort of um, political spectrum is breaking down like this, because when there was the um, terrible, terrible regulations trying to fire care home workers for not getting injections and to fire the 100,000 NHS workers. A lot of the big traditional trade unions that you would name uh, were absolutely appalling and didn't do anything, didn't lift a finger to help them. And their attitude was mainly, well, you're not going to take an injection. Well, it's your own fault. When actually everyone should have the choice, medical autonomy about what you put in your body or don't put in your body and shouldn't be coerced into it by being threatened with losing their job. But there was one trade union, that's the Workers of England Union, and they were standing up for care home workers and NHS workers. And uh, I joined them as a, as a representative. And it went perfectly with my role in the, the freedom movement, if you like, you know, being someone who's known, not any official position, but just someone who's known as speaking and standing up for freedom. But it was fantastic to be involved with a trade union as actually doing what trade unions are supposed to do what they did in the first place, which is stand up for employers against injustice. Absolutely. Sort of push this um, monolithic um, political ideologies, which aren't of of any benefit to the workers. So there is a good trade union there. And I'm really proud to have um, worked with them and um, helped actually to get these regulations overturned and and get justice restored uh, for those who are being oppressed by the government. Well done, David. You're listening to David. David um, Curtin, David is the founder and the leader of the Heritage Party, which has got about 18 candidates standing around the country tomorrow in the local elections. Now, let's um, finish with this. I, I have no doubt you're busy and you have better things to do this evening. You'll be have, I'm sure you'll have a uh, hundred conversations tonight with candidates and, <laughs> yes. and, and volunteers and, and all of that. So I won't keep you too much longer, but this is the biggest story of the day. And we won't hear this on Sky or Channel 4 or the BBC 
But the latest release of Pfizer documents pertaining to the federal court judge ruling um, clearly show that Pfizer's own trial data uh, says that nobody who is pregnant, no woman who is pregnant should have a dose of the jab. No lactating woman should have a dose of the jab. Now, I know for a fact that June Rain at the MHRA would know this. I know for a fact that the media knew this. And yet those people basically... I, it was relentless, the campaign to get pregnant women to go and get the jab. What are your, what's your reaction to that story today? The people who knew about this, and there will be people who knew behind the scenes, or maybe people that were actually on front, in the front of the television cameras, you know, the people who did know and are found to have known about this should be brought before a court and should be put in jail because they are directly responsible for the adverse health effects now happening to pregnant women and their children around the country. I mean, we're, we're hearing about um, this mysterious uh, new incidence of hepatitis and liver failure in children under the age of five who haven't had an injection. But the theory is that they are actually becoming ill because they are breastfeeding and the spike proteins which are being generated in the mother's body are going into the kids through breast milk and then um, causing liver damage and hepatitis. You know, this needs to be investigated Investigated. It seems like the most plausible explanation that we've got. And it goes with the uh, increase in incidence of all kinds of other diseases that we just have not heard of in great numbers before in young people and, and ordinary, you know, middle aged people like the, the heart attacks, the myocarditis, pericarditis, blood clotting, thrombosis and all these other kind of things. So, yeah, I questioned Sadiq Khan on this when I was still in the London Assembly because he was, you know, propagandizing and pushing the injections just like everybody else. And um, he basically ridiculed me. And, you know, that's on record. And I'm very glad it is. So, you know, you've got people like that who clearly were, were just shutting down anybody who would even question this and raise the point. Look, are you sure? This is safe and effective. What about pregnant women? We don't give experimental medicines or vaccines or injections to pregnant women because it can harm them and it can harm their children. But we were just dismissed as conspiracy theorists and, and um, COVID idiots. Um, but now it's coming out that we were actually raising concerns which were true. And I wish people had listened to me because we'd have... Uh, a lot fewer um, people ill and a lot fewer people dying uh, than we do right now. From from what I can see, and I'm I'm going to say, I'm going to put the big disclaimer on this and say that I might be wrong because it was difficult for me on my own today to really go through it. But it seems that about half of the participants in the trial had fairly serious adverse um, effects or adverse events afterwards, you know, from heart issues and stomach issues. Nasty things that lasted for two or three or, or several days. To think that the regulator in this country saw that stuff and still recommended that job, not just for pregnant women, but for anybody. I don't want to preempt any future investigations. It's not for me to do that. But, but, but the police have to be involved here, David. 
Uh, you you would hope so, wouldn't you? You would hope that the police would investigate this because you know uh, this is negligence, and and it's not just this not just one uh, indicator. I mean, th th this is sort of there's many many other indicators that have come out uh, in other places, in other sort of bits of research and data collation that's happened. I mean, for example, we know that there are more injuries from the vaccine, this particular vaccine, in the last year than all the vaccines put together uh, over the last 15 years. I mean, that should have raised a red flag immediately that would say to anybody in charge of regulating it or making a decision, stop it now. David, where did that come from? That, where, where, where did that statistic come from that there far more adverse events reported than every other vaccine. I didn't see that. Where did you get that? I'd love I to have access to that's from the USA. Uh, off the top of my mind, it's from the CDC, um, but I'd have to check that. Yeah, I'd love to have that, to put that on the website. You know what it is? You're, you're, you're hoping that somehow somebody who's thinking about having a jab might stumble across your website or, or my website and just see that information and it might give them a moment of pause. That's all it is. Listen, you've been good to, to give us a half an hour. It's a busy evening for you and for your candidates. The very best of, of luck tomorrow. Remind our listeners of the website for the Heritage Party, David. Yeah, heritageparty.org. Please have a look and uh, come and join us. we got uh, lots of spots for candidates next year, if you can do this year. All the very best, pal. Thanks. Thank Speak you, soon. Richie. Great to chat. You too, David. Bye for now. David Curtin, the leader, uh, the founder as well of the Heritage Party, standing 18 candidates around the country tomorrow. Thanks to him. Now, I'll be taking your calls somewhere between five and ten minutes. You don't have to wait for me to open the Skype line. If you'd like to send me a message to let me know that you'd like to come on, just go to Skype. It's chat with Richie. That's all one word. C-H-A-T with W-I-T-H, Richie, R-I-C-H-I-E, all one word. In fact, here are the details, taking your calls shortly. New callers, please. Ladies, ladies. It's your call. Skype, chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Talk to me now. Well, in a moment, anyway. So those are the numbers and the Skype is chat with Richie. Skype is chat with Richie. That's the way to do it. Let me read some of your comments. Actually, just... I've got to bring up your comments, don't I? Because I'm a bit of an idiot. So while I bring up your comments, remember... Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support The Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk And the way to leave a comment for the programme is go to richieallen.co.uk It's, it's a live comment. That's the one... Chris says we should all write to Sir Christopher Chope about the Pfizer reports. He seems to be the only MP saying anything about vaccine injury. Scottish Al says the only difference between all the big political parties is the colour of the rosette they wear on all of the big issues that are going to have a massive impact on our lives over the coming years. They're all on board with the same agenda. He's right. And Colin says exactly all two cheeks of the same arse. Hmm. Never Surrender says perhaps uh, it, it 
appearance, a patent. I'll come back to that. Send me that again. Can't read that. Um, listen, the show, this is fairly big news. I noticed this around about 3.30 today, and I was going to write something on the website about it, but I might as well mention it now. This programme used to be accessible on TuneIn Radio. It has been deleted from TuneIn Radio. Now, it's been on TuneIn Radio since September of 2014. TuneIn is an app. It's a very popular app. In fact, it's the biggest app, the biggest mobile app um, for live radio in the world. Most radio stations are on TuneIn. And I've been on it since 2014 without any issues. Um, I'm not surprised, a little bit sad, but not surprised that TuneIn has deleted the programme. I've not had any communication from uh, the people behind TuneIn, but that's the way it is. It's something I predicted some time ago. Um, I'm not going to do the me, me, me thing because I hate that. I hate the truthers who make it about them. It's not about me. The Richie Allen Show is the most listened to independent news radio show in the world. It is the only programme of its kind and they're coming after it. Big time. PayPal deleted, YouTube deleted, Twitter deleted. Complaints. Complaints to governing bodies that as of yet don't have any regulatory authority over my programme, over our programme. But people complaining to them anyway. Professors of journalism, friends of the programme, telling me that at um, conferences, the programme gets mentioned all the time. What are we going to do about programmes like the Richie Allen Show? How do we get rid of it? So that's what's happening. TuneIn has deleted it. You can't listen to it on TuneIn anymore. That, in the short term, will put a massive dent in listening numbers for the programme because tens of thousands of people a day accessed Richie, the Richie Allen Show through TuneIn. Now it's gone. So there. But it can be heard on richieallen.co.uk. That is my website. And it's the place to go to hear it. It can be heard at fabradiointernational.com, but not at TuneIn anymore. It's tyranny, of course it is. This programme has never broken the law. It hasn't committed any egregious crimes against broadcasting regulations, even if it were to come under the umbrella of a regulatory body like Ofcom. It hasn't. It's a professionally produced radio show. I dropped the odd F-bomb here and there, but that's okay. Um, but it's not on tuning anymore. Okay. Here's the contact jingle right now. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Righty. I came across a song today that I haven't heard for so, so long and I loved it. I thought I'd share it with you. It's uh, Kirsty McCall and Walking Down Madison. Let's listen to that. When I come back from it, I expect to hear from you. If I don't, we'll have words. 
So go to chat with Richie on Skype. Send me a message if you'd like to come on or call me when it's on. I'm going to open it now. And it's 0161818 If you haven't done it before, and if you're a lady, be nice to hear from some ladies. Uh, give us a shout. Here's Kirsty McCall. One minute past six, the Richie Allen Show live from BBG Towers in Salford. Super Salford. To the back Yeah, Kirsty McCall there and walking it down at Madison. It's at three and a half minutes past six, more like four minutes past six. Uh, lots of callers lined up there. That's very good. Let's go to the telephone and welcome our first guest. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Richie, hello there. It's Sean McPaul again. Hello, Sean. Sean, have you more news on what's going on in Spain? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not, I'm not in Spain. I'm actually in the UK at the moment. I've been in Newcastle the last couple of days. And I've just travelled down today to Yorkshire. And there's something I really had to share with you. Go right and ahead. It's referenced, it's referenced the Hegelian dialectic, mate. I thought I know it was only on a couple of weeks ago, Richie, and I'm really, really sorry. No worries. No, I no, look, I am going to move it along quick, but we've got three or four minutes. Go ahead, Sean. No worries. Listen, I, when I was in the hotel in Newcastle the last two days, I had three taxi drivers take me to and fro where I had to go from the work. One of them was from Pakistan. The other one was Indian, and the other one was uh, a Geordie. And uh, I got talking about the things I normally talk about. And the Indian one, now, please, to your audience, do not take this the wrong way. I'm talking about the Hegelian dialect, the divide and conquer. And the Indian guy said, yes, I agree with everything you're saying, totally buy into it. He said, but a big part of the problem is Pakistan. Okay, so I listened to what he had to say. Then in the evening, when I got back to the hotel, I had a Pakistani driver, and he said, "Yep, yep, all these guys were awake. They were awake." But he said, "The biggest problem we have is the opposite of what I just said. Yeah, in, in India, India. and how they've aligned themselves with the, the Zionists." Then the next morning, I went back in again, and I had a Geordie uh, taxi driver, and he said. And he was quite awake for a journey. No, no disrespect to journeys. He was quite awake. And I said, yep, yep, totally agree with you, pal. I'm with you all the way. He said, but you know what the problem is? And I said, no. He said, it's the bloody Muslims. It's the Muslims, yeah. I said, yeah. I, I said really, really? He said, they're swamping our country. I said, well, can I just stop you, right? Because you're not as awake as you think you are. This and is uh, the, the words come into my mind. Hegelian dialect, divide and conquer. Amazing, so isn't regardless it? how how awake people sorry, sorry, Richie, how awake people think they are and how researched they think they are, deep down they really are. Yeah, yeah. I I it took me a while to come to that. It really did, you know, uh, and I see it everywhere. If it's not the Muslims, it's the Jews. If it's not the Jews, it's uh it's somebody else. And the realisation of, Sean, how successful that tactic has been for decades to get people fighting one another on issues of race, colour, religion, culture, whatever it is, while those moving, shifting human existence to a deeply dystopian, horrifying reality just rub their hands and laugh. Look at those idiots fighting over these things while, while we keep uh, pressing ahead with the things we want to do. 
it, it, it is staggering that, that they can't see it. Yeah, it's spot on, Richie. It's spot on. It's quite depressing at the same time. As a guy that likes to keep himself on a sort of higher vibrational level and, and yeah. positive. Uh, and I'll go back to your caller last night or the, the, the guy you had in the show last night. He was so inspirational and it's given me, you know, some hope for the future. But um, Michael Rachia was I, on last I, night. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, Michael Rachia was on last night. Very interesting he was. Yeah, it was fantastic. And that really lifted my spirits, Richie. But after speaking to these three guys the last couple of days, I just, I felt crushed. My spirit felt crushed. Face palm. It's, it's a face and, palm uh, moment, John, that, isn't it? Sean, I should say, Sean. It's a face palm moment. What, 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 what are we going to do? Listen, thanks for sharing that. I'm getting backed up with Cole, so I'm going to take a few more. Safe travels, no by the way, time. Sean. Safe travels. Sean there, uh, who's, uh, who's living in Spain, but these days, well, not these days, this week, he happens to be in the UK, up in the North East. You can Skype the programme, it's chat with Richie. You can phone it 0161818 We're we're, we're off to Ireland, I believe. Good evening, caller. Good evening, Richie. How's it Not too bad at all. Who am I speaking to? The line is terrible there. Oh, it's Damien here in Kerry. Can you hear me now? Damien and Kerry. Just about, Damien. It's, it sounds like you're travelling. I am, I am. I'm a truck driver. <laughs> you're on the road. You're on the road again. Willie Nelson, you're on the road again. Go ahead, Damien. Lovely uh, to hear from you. I was just wondering, Richie, um, could you bring up uh, 5G maybe more often... You were, you were trying to get Chris Busby on, was it? Funnily enough, I swapped a couple of messages with Chris this afternoon. Yes, I'm hoping to get Chris back on. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Because I said, you know, from my point of view, as I said, I'm on the road a lot and whatnot. And last year, what I noticed was very alarming. Scattered throughout the country, it seemed as if they were turning it on and off. But I started noticing a lot of dead birds along the roadside. Really? On your travels, yeah. you were noticing dead birds. Yeah. And, yeah. and tell me, Damien, tell me, Damien, were, were, were you able to determine that there was a 5G tower in the vicinity where you were seeing these dead birds? Yeah, yeah, because I tell you now, you'd be familiar with the M7, the motorway from Dublin to Limerick. Not so familiar these days, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there's a big 5G... There's a big 5G mass there around Nina and Tipperary. But it's actually disguised. It's covered in foliage. That's an interesting one because I was led to believe that trees or foliage would prevent it from doing what it's supposed to do, Damien. Well, this is like a camouflage net put up around it. Is that right? And can I ask you this? During the lockdowns, were you... Were you an essential worker? Were you continuing to drive? Oh, I was. Business as usual. Busier, if anything. You were busier. So, did you notice... um, These are loaded questions now, forgive me. But did you notice these things going up? Were were you starting to see more of these masts? Oh, they were were flat out laying cables and putting in the, the, the masts and whatnot. And even across the road from my own house, they came on at about 7 o'clock Easter Sunday morning and started installing the 5G. How interesting. And they, and they came again on the Easter Monday, the bank holiday, and at about 7 o'clock in the morning again to install it. And this is only last week or two weeks ago? Oh, no, no, this is two years ago. Excuse no, me, sorry, Easter Easter 2020. You see, that, yeah. co- that correlates with anecdotal evidence I've heard from callers who say that 
it almost looks like the installers of 5G used the lockdowns as some sort of cover to start putting them up very quickly, Damien. Oh, they were flat out, Richie. Flat out between main towns and everything. Everywhere you went, you see the, the vans and the crews installing the cables and all. Like It was crazy. Like. And, and you're obviously concerned, Damien, that these things represent a genuine health problem, that these things are not good. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And especially when they're trying to disguise them. Why would they disguise yeah. them, eh? How interesting. Yeah, I, I, I should be up around there tomorrow, so I'll actually get a photograph of it and I'll send it on to you. Oh, do, please. Do, send it through yeah. the website. On the birds, right? Listen, I'm, I'm thinking pretty much the same way you're thinking, but on the birds, um, I have read that birds, I don't have it to hand now, but that it isn't uncommon yeah. for birds to get confused and get tired and uh, get disorientated. And it's not, it's not unknown, historically, yeah. for, for, for people to come across a group of, or a cluster of dead birds. But you're saying you've seen this more than once. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every couple of hundred yards you might see a dead bird lying on the roadside. And then um, I struck a good few of them with the truck as well, because like that, they were completely disorientated. Fly straight out in front of me and bang. And, and that was happening daily. So the question begs to be asked then, are the towers interfering with the navigational um, capabilities of the birds and doing something to them? Yeah, yeah, and I believe they are. And the other side of it as well is, I don't know, have you ever heard before, but in Ireland, they have cut back an enormous amount of trees and shrubs on the roadsides. And the same and here, Damien, same in the UK. Yeah, and they're claiming then that it's that the property owner could be liable in case the tree falls and whatnot, but they're just chopping all around them like it's absolutely frightening. Like, and, and we, well, I, I, I share your thoughts. They, they seem to be doing that to give, um, to basically remove any obstruction from the towers, for the yeah, signal, basically. Yeah, yeah. Wow, Damien. Oh, it's absolutely frightening. But as I said, we're on the road every day. We see these things. We absorb them, you know. And would it be something now that you might have mentioned to a fellow driver? I said it to one or two, and I said, don't you think it's strange that the birds... I noticed that, all right, they say, but just leave it at that thing, you know, you don't want to go too deep with them. Yeah, that sounds like most <laughs> no, people. It's the same over here. Oh, yeah. yeah, I have noticed it, yeah. I used to say to people um, in, in 2020, Damien, I used to say, have you noticed that people are not dropping dead in the streets of this so-called deadly virus? <laughs> And they used to say, oh, you're right, you're right, yeah, but I'd go and get the jab anyway. Ah, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Like that, no, you asked me there, no, I was walking through lockdown, and there was no ambulances. And there was no hearses. No. There were nowhere to be seen, and the main routes where I travel, I would be in a kind of a triangle. To maybe three major hospitals in Limerick and Cork and Kerry, I'd be travelling the same route and there was nothing. There was no ambulances, no horses, nowhere to be seen. And you were on the lookout for this, like, obviously, because you were thinking, obviously you doubted, just like I doubted, that you doubted that this was very serious. So you're looking for the, the funeral processions and they just didn't happen. Yeah, they just didn't happen, nowhere to be seen. And it was uh, up and down the country, it was the same. And nobody asked a question, nobody, it didn't ring alarm bells with anyone, like, they were just sound asleep. 
Damien, before I take my next call, what 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 happened to us? Yeah. What happened to us? And by us, I mean our people, our culture. We we were at one time, you know, we we stood up to bullies. We struggled. It wasn't yeah. always easy. We didn't have the equipment, but we stood up to tyranny. What's going on in our country? I I, I can't I can't explain uh, it. It's it's just absolutely frightening now. Completely, completely. Right, the line has gone terribly bad. I'm going to leave it there, Damien. Lovely to chat with and you, mate. Thank you, Richie. And God bless you. Good work. Thank you, Richie. Bye bye. Not at all. That was Damien, truck driver. How fascinating. What What are your thoughts on that? Shall I play the jingle again? Um, or will I just give you. It's chat with Richie. That's chat with Richie. All one word chat with Richie. Um, Rachel wanted to get on. Should we get Rachel on? Rachel wanted to get on. Um, yeah, it's chat with Richie, all one word, and it's 0161-8182018, It's uh, your Richie Allen Show. It's Wednesday's programme, May the 4th, 2022. Rachel wanted to get on there, but I can't get her on. That's okay. Uh, we'll go back to the telephone line. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Hi. Hi, yourself. Who am I talking Hi. to? Who is that? Richie? Alex? It is Richie. Now, turn me off in the background so we can have a good chat there. Who am I speaking to? Uh, and you're speaking to Marisha from uh, France, from Lyon. Marisha, have we spoken before? Oh, well, never, but I know you from the, from the, from your emission, that my friend is listening all the time. Ah, very so, good. So but I don't know you. I, I know you so much today because she's listening to you all the time, every day, every day, every day. She's, and um, I just wanted, sorry? No, no, go ahead. This is really interesting. So which, which part of France are you in? I'm from Lyon. Lyon. Oh, excuse me, Lyon. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, Lyon, Lyon, Lyon. And, uh, well, and uh, I just wanted to call you because I'm listening to you every day without knowing you, because before I didn't know you, but I think it's very interesting what you're talking about all the time, like about life, about problems, about hysteria in the world, and it's just uh, very exciting, and I just have a big pleasure to call you, you know? Uh, well, thanks very much, and we've got to thank your friend for introducing you to the programme. I would like to present her. She's working in uh, the best pub in Lyon, uh, James Joyce. I would, I would love to recommend this place for every English-speaking people that are coming to visit Lyon because it's, uh, it's, the, it's one of the coolest bar, um, bit of free, bar. Bit of free, the, bit of free advertising here. No, no harm Oh, my that. God. With advertising like the best Guinness and uh, No, pro- and I don't mind. You know? what's, what's, <laughs> Marisha, what's the, what's the bar called again? What's the name of the bar? Uh, James Joyce. Oh, James. In oh, all, the ta- all the town of Lyon. In yeah. Lyon. And it serves a nice pint yeah. of Guinness, does it? <laughs> I'm so glad to speak to you. I don't believe that I could <laughs> reach your line. <laughs> well, thanks very much for calling up. So how... No, sorry, you... Can, can I ask you... Let me ask you a question. How have you navigated the last how, two what? years? How have you gotten through the last years? Because things have been difficult in France. The French government has well, been very... The, Go the ahead. things were difficult because, of course, the confinement was like terrible, horrible hysteria and the prison for everybody, of course. And, uh, like, hopefully we had some people that came as us and it's just very, very comforting because when you see that some of the people doesn't judge you when you don't... Uh, 
have a mask on the street, uh, even when you're outside, for example, and like just smile. Well, it's just a pleasure. I mean, the people get crazy, and we are all too much scared today, and that's the problem. And so, <laughs> of course, uh, I agree with my friend, which is making listening listening me your 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 stories, your your speeches, and uh, of course, there's so many things in this world that are so crazy, but let's just not give up and well, just stay happy, you know? <laughs> well, what do you want to say? Yeah, I'm going to just depress... Just I believe that it will be better. Yeah, I'm going to depress you now, Mauricia, because you've got five yeah, more... Yeah, I know. You've I know, got five more know, years of Macron, I right? I love my friend, so she could do, but she doesn't want because she tells me that she, I don't, she's, she doesn't want, but well... She's very glad that I'm talking with you also. So she's listening and I'm, <laughs> I wish you a beautiful evening. And I wish you a beautiful evening. Thanks for, for calling in, Mauricia. Lovely to meet you. Yeah, lovely to meet you also. Come to James Joyce for you. <laughs> the James Joyce. I'm going to send you the yeah, bill. The bill, yeah, the bill, the bill for sister, this free advertising will be in the post. Mauricia, thanks very much. Lovely to hear from you, Mauricia, there in Lyon. I've never been to Lyon. But um, if I ever do, we'll have to pop in. We'll have to pop right in to the James Joyce bar to have a pint. Why not? It's 0161818218. It's chat with Richie on the uh, Skypey thingamajig. Here it is again. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161818218. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161818218. Talk to Richie now. Welcome back. It's been ages since we heard from our pal Joan in Toronto. How are you doing, Joan? I'm good. How are you? May the fourth be with you. May the fourth be with you. (laughs) These are not the droids you're looking for. That's the one. Alec Guinness, yeah, I like a bit of that. Well, how are things? Into things seem to be kind of suspiciously better everywhere. Suspiciously better, Joan. You know. Well, it, we we still can't leave Canada without the jab. I can't get on a plane, a train, or a boat unless you jabbed. So people even, are. Hang on, Joan. Even if the recipient country doesn't give a rat's arse if you've been jabbed, your own country yeah. says you have to be jabbed. Yes, yes. I didn't know so that. So people are get people are renting uh, private jets, driving over the border to the U.S. and getting a flight from there, and it's a crapshoot because they'll say, "Have you had a job?" and you say, "No." They can turn you back around, and then your name's on a list, so you try again, and you just can't get in. So. You know, uh, something big has happened since we last spoke. My son, in he lives in, in Tennessee. He just got a job in London, UK. Right. And he has asked me, they have four children. So he's asked me to go and help them. And uh, it's a really tough decision because he's fast asleep, number one. And I told him, like, I can't get out without a job. He said, well, will you uh, wear a mask? I said, I've never worn a mask yet, but I would to see you. Fair enough. I agree with that. Why not? But I will. I said, I'll never have a job and the way things are. And so he I said, you're just going to have to, you know, see how it goes. And I'll I'll I've just renewed my passport. I'm just waiting for it. So once I get that. Because they say if you're a British national, you can get on a plane in Toronto 
or wherever. Um, but it, you have to do it on a, a different passport. So if I went with a Canadian passport, I wouldn't be able to get on the plane. If I go on a British passport, I can. But you still have to be jabbed. No, no. If I, if you can... Ah, brilliant. Well, that's the yeah. answer then. That's the answer. You, you, British passport and, and, and off you pop. Yeah, and, and, and do it that way. But I haven't got my passport yet. So that could take however long that takes, right? But yeah. So things are, people think we're free now in yeah. here in, in Toronto anyway. Uh, but there's a, there's a provincial election in June. So once that's done, I think we'll be locked down again. So... Uh, what what do you mean? A, what do you mean? Like when when we get to autumn, winter time, you think it's coming back? Well, I think it could be before then, because once the election's over, because now he's eased up a bit, Doug Ford in Toronto. So I think once the election's over, if he gets in, I don't know who will get in, but I think it'll be shut down again, either the fall or before the fall. Yeah. But um, so the we had the bikers, uh, you know, the trucker. Thing in uh, yeah. Ottawa, yeah, the big protest, yeah, we had yeah. we had the biker one last weekend. There was thousands of bikers, <clears throat> and um, but they the police wouldn't. There was tons of police there. They wouldn't let the bikers just ride through. They had to go down certain streets, and they could only go at like a, a fifty at a time or something. So there was thousands of people there, but um, it's sort of anticlimactic if you know what i mean yes it's yes because the truckers were so massive and so uplifting and uh uh but you know the bikers was too but i think everybody now is just you know well it's not doing anything right yeah. it's not it's great to get together with like-minded people but i don't think it's doing anything no that's we're the not thing. doing anything no right? no that's the thing yeah I, I I understood the stick that I got a couple of years back when I when I said this. That is the thing, right? You might get some spiritual uplifting. Um, you might have an experience. It might re-energize you if you go to London, if you go to Manchester, and you meet with people and you say, "We don't like this. We've had enough." But it's not enough to do that and then go home. It isn't. It just is not. No, no. And people are, um, you know, now that and the warmer weather's coming now, so. People just think, oh, well, we're free now and, and everything's good now. And so yeah, we're sort of losing traction, you know. You said to me a moment ago, just before I get Rachel on, you said um, Damien was on from, from Kerry, the, 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 the driver. You said you've seen photos of 5G towers covered with what looks like foliage as well. Yes, yes. I haven't seen it myself. No, but but I've seen many pictures of, I don't know if it was in the States or even around Canada, but that's what they're doing. They're making it look like trees. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I wonder, I mean, there's a couple of things going on there. They are very concerned about vandalism. They're really worried about that. I, I, I have it on third-hand information that a 5G tower in Salford was vandalised, but I haven't yet seen it and I've not yet been directed to which exact tower. I think there are two or three in Salford. The closest one is about a kilometre or just under a kilometre from me. But uh, I don't know if it has been vandalised. I'm not endorsing anybody vandalising no, anything. No, either. But, you know, uh, there's so many of them now that, I mean, yeah. what we're going to do, I, I don't know. I, I mean, seriously, I don't know. But 
Um, you know, we just, I don't know what's next. I don't know. I mean. They left, the, they, they released, the, they turned the valve to release a bit of pressure. That's what they've done yes, at the moment. Yes, And I exactly. think you're right. I think things are coming in the autumn or maybe even sooner. Um, good luck to your son in his new uh, job in London. And I hope you get sorted and that you can get over there and give him um, the assistance that he needs. That'll be good, Joan. Yeah, but before I go, I just wanted to say, like, every time we talk, he keeps saying I'm from Leeds, and I'm not, I'm from Manchester. You're a Manc, are you? I, and I say Yorkshire. I'm from I say Yorkshire, that's what I say. Yeah, you're oh, a... Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm wrong. Withenshaw. Withenshaw, lass, just down the road. <laughs> I don't know where I got Yorkshire from. Anyway, I don't know. That's all right. Maybe I sound like I'm from Yorkshire. It's all good. No, no, it isn't. No, did you at one time? Were you at one time romantically linked to a Yorkshire man? Was that it? No. Nope. No way. Not in a million years. <laughs> not that I remember. Not that you remember. Anyway, yeah, that was a, that was a good night that night. All right, Joan. All the best. Thanks for for getting in touch again. Lovely to hear from you. Okay, you two take care. Thanks again for all you do. Lots of love. Thanks, Joan. That is Joan Withenshaw, Joan. Nothing to do with Yorkshire at all. And uh, she's on um, the line from Toronto. And uh, she wants to get herself, does Joan, to London to assist her son, who's going to be doing a new job there, running his own business. And let's hope that all works out there. Yeah, so if you're Canadian, from what Joan said, if you're Canadian, from what Joan said, and you want to take a flight somewhere, it doesn't matter what your destination, country, it doesn't matter what their COVID rules and regulations are. Joan said that if you're Canadian, you've got to have a job. Otherwise, the Canadians will, you know, try and prevent you from leaving the country. I think we've got Rachel. How are you doing, Rachel? At least I hope we have. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm brilliant. Where are you calling from? Um, I'm actually in Portugal at the moment. Oh, you're in Portugal, you lucky, lucky so-and-so. It must be gorgeous there. Which part? Um, just in the East Algarve. Ah, you're killing me. In the East Algarve. There I'm, <laughs> I'm looking out the window at the, the, the opening credits of Coronation Street, Rachel, and there you are in the Algarve. Well, look, you, you, you got in touch. You said you'd like to um, come on. What, what would you like to say? The floor is yours. Go ahead. Well, I guess I just want to talk. I'm I'm in the Algarve because I've kind of, I I've just left my home. <laughs> I've um, just left Hong Kong, and I guess I just wanted to talk about like how things were there, um, and kind of like let it be a warning for the rest of the world. <laughs> oh, go right ahead. This is fascinating. You've left Hong Kong. Now we know the program knows a a a barrister who was based in Hong yes. Kong, but has left himself. Tell us, what was going on there? I remember, I heard your interview with him. Yeah, that's my baby. Hello. <laughs> um, so I've been there for about six years. Um, and, you know, was really, really happy there. I love my life. What happened? Night? It just, it was just two years of everything just went downhill. Um, and eventually, the the week we left, we weren't even allowed into supermarkets. We weren't allowed into restaurants um, because they've got the vaccine pass for everything now. The vaccine pass in Hong Kong basically meant that you couldn't go yeah. anywhere, Rachel. We couldn't go in a supermarket, couldn't go to a library, couldn't go to a swimming pool. 
Um, yeah, no restaurants, no cinemas, not even a shopping mall. <laughs> and people put up with that, like Hong Kong residents, natives. Nobody resisted that, no? I think they're very afraid of viruses there. Like, they're sort of the masks are part of their culture already and they have the SARS thing in the... 2000s at some point so they're quite afraid of viruses already and also I think they're quite afraid of the government now they're afraid of their own government so I mean you can get an they're they're definitely afraid of the government since since all the protests there's been like big big crackdowns and everything I think I think like lots of journalists oh dear no, no, it's okay. We, we, lots we'll... of journalists have been arrested. And lots yeah, we've had to leave. Sorry. No, no. I, I was. You mentioned the, the 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 fear of the government, um, which which is is fascinating yeah. because of previous crackdowns on 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 protests. I mean, it it sounds like it got really really miserable. And was there a straw uh, that broke for you? When did you decide I can't cope with this anymore? Well, my I wanted to leave pretty much when they put in the like a 21 day quarantine. So to leave the country when you came back, you had to do 21 days in quarantine. So I'm like really close to my mom and we weren't able to see her. But we did one stint. So we did 21 days in a quarantine hotel. <laughs> um, but we were like, we're not going to do that again. But I think the like the straw that broke the camel's back was they were going to do mass testing of the entire city. Um, and anyone who had COVID, they were going to send to the quarantine camps. Yes. Um, and we've got a baby. So we were like, we don't want to be sent to the camp because my, my husband's brother was already sent to a camp in December. And what went on at the camp when your husband's brother was there? What went on there? It was kind of just, it was kind of like a bad dormitory um there's like no wi-fi no tv the food is bad um but you're i mean you're a prisoner you can't leave until they tell you you can leave until they tell you you're healthy and you can go well even he i mean he tested negative so many times and they they wouldn't let him go he had to serve like 10 days or yeah my god it's hard to believe that this actually went on is going on isn't it? I know it's going on, but this is the stuff yeah. of, a, of a of a scary novel or a scary film, isn't it? Yeah, it is scary. And it was, it's kind of like, it feels like a bad dream now, like now that we're out of there, um, because like we've been wearing masks for two years everywhere, like everywhere outside. And there's no, you know, you can't wear a sunflower lanyard to get you out of it. Like you have to wear it. Um, and even people would come up to me and say, oh, why isn't your baby wearing a mask? And I'm like, there's no way she's going to wear a mask. In Hong Kong, they were asking, why is the baby not wearing a mask? And tell yeah. me, you mentioned you mentioned exemptions, and we didn't get to finish that train of thought. What sort of exemptions were the Hong Kong authorities giving? How could you get off? I think if you go to a doctor, if you go to a friendly doctor, he can give you one. Um, I never tried, but I've got some friends who were able to do it and it wasn't that hard, but it has to, you have to keep renewing it every six months. 
Robert, our barrister friend, got the hell out of Hong Kong at the speed of light. Yeah. You've done it. How much of a big event is this in your lives, though, you and your partner and your baby? How did you manage it? I mean, what what's in Portugal for you? Basically, we're homeless. <laughs> um, and we were earning good money there. So, like, my husband's lost his business. I've lost, I lost my job a while ago um so we're just trying to like work out the next step so it's quite difficult and how are you bearing up how, how are you managing to keep um optimistic and keep your spirits <laughs> up i mean you, you sound you, to be fair to you, you sound no she's great she's great how do you is jesus i can't find the words to ask the question i want to ask um how do you stay positive Um, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm quite spiritual, so I'm hoping, like, I'm hoping God will help us. Yeah. Um, and you know, I just, I feel like it must be for the best. We just don't know what the best is yet. <laughs> yeah. Wow, Rachel. Um, where, where, where are you? And where, where are you originally from? Um, I'm half English, half Australian. So there was an Australian uh, twang there, just a little bit of it I was getting. All right. And um, and was there a reason you chose Portugal? Forgive me if you've already told me that. I was making, <coughs> excuse me, I was making a couple of notes, but any, any specific reason for Portugal? Well, we've actually, we've been staying with my mum for two months and I think she's had enough of us. <laughs> Right. Um, and we're, we're thinking of um, we're thinking of living here because it's quite cheap. So we kind of we're just spending a month here to see what it's like. I bet your mum was delighted to be able to see um, um, her her granddaughter. Oh, yeah. yeah, no she, doubt about that. Yeah. And you came to see her, even though you knew you'd have twenty one days nightmare quarantine when you went back. You've lived it. I mean, wow. Yeah. I'm I'm stunned. I really am. Rachel, I don't, know, I don't know what to say to you other than it sounds like you've got a real positive outlook. And I think my experience in life, and I've had a few bad knocks, not, nothing like you've had lately, but my experience has been that staying positive and smiling and um, believing that you'll get through it will give you a very good chance of getting through it. You sound very bright. Your husband has had a successful business. You've had your business. There's no barriers to you starting another business. So... Just bloody good luck to both of you, really. I mean, I mean, and do keep in touch with us. I'd love to hear from you again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like, you know, if you're in the UK, like, maybe they don't work, but go to those protests and fight for your rights because it is truly horrible, like the alternative. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. It is. And as friends of the programme have said, there's a lot of positive energy at the protests and that's very helpful too. I don't want to be dismissive of that. But um, but yeah, what a situation you find yourself in through no fault of your own. You've got good jobs, you've got good prospects, beautiful baby, and then tyranny descends and you've got to run, literally run for your lives, really. What a story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a book in it, Rachel. There's yeah, a book. thank you for that. <laughs> No, you're you're welcome. Please stay in touch. Um, I'll I'll uh, 
in, in a yeah. moment I'll send you my email address and good luck to you and to your partner and um, to your little girl what's your little girl's name? Lily Lily what a name what a gorgeous name Rachel enjoy the rest of the evening and thanks for um, sharing your story with us tonight I really appreciate it thank you Bye. Bye for now. Rachel there, half Australian, half English lady, who um, was doing quite well, thanks very much, in Hong Kong. I know about this, a little bit about this, because Robert the Barrister, who uh, we'd love to get back on the programme again real soon, he's left Hong Kong and come back to the UK for the same reasons, because it went full tyranny in Hong Kong. It went absolute stone-cold tyranny. So he got out of there. Imagine it. Couldn't go to the library, couldn't go to the supermarket unless you handed a phone to whoever standing at the door to prove that you were jabbed. Then you could get in. She got out of there. With mum now in the Algarve, East Algarve, yeah. This is um, Wednesday's Richie Allen Show. It is 20 minutes to the top of the hour. Good to be with you, it always is. Here are the contact details for the programme. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Now, I never do this, and it's uh, it's not right that I don't, but I'm going to do it now. I'm going to read some comments before I take another call because uh, I'm asking you to comment, and during the phone in, we often don't get around to the comments. Uh, blessings and love to Rachel, says Never Surrender, and her family. Within her uh, laughing is many tears, says, says Never Surrender. Uh, Nelly says, I'm glad that Rachel is spiritual and in tune with herself because that is the way out, says Nelly. Thanks, Nelly. Christopher says, Richie, here in Madrid, there's huge interest in the big game tonight. This time last year, that's Real Madrid host Manchester City in the semi-final of the Champions League. Um, this time last year, people were so anti-team sports, um, taking up running and buying bicycles, but they seem to be coming together again, uh, says Christopher. Thanks, Christopher. Uh, Cookie says, a lot of people coming to Portugal to escape this agenda. I'm not sure why, as they are completely under the spell the North has a big community growing off-grid and self-sufficiency. Well, Rachel's mum is there and anything is better than what she and her family experience in Hong Kong, I would imagine there. Bill says, evening, Richie. Uh, haven't been listening for a bit. It was good to turn off for a while, he says, but time to get back to the reality of the bullshit of everything. Yes, no harm in disconnecting. Although I tend to keep it fairly optimistic and upbeat, don't I? I try to. I do my blooming best to. I don't think you could say it's doom and gloom on the Richie Allen show. Hi to Dean Smith, pal. It's been a while since we've uh, chatted. Good to hear from you, Dean. Um, he says, um, amazing NHS, excuse me, amazing NHL uh, hockey player, uh, Theo Fleury is a hockey player who's very good, is doing amazing work in Canada, speaking out, uh, says Dean. He was a hero hockey player of mine back in, in the day because he was the same height as me. I follow him on Twitter, putting his good name on the line, a bit like the footballer Matthew Letissier. Paul says, Hong Kong, the island of Dr. Moreau. Uh, Taffy says, unjabbed Canadians can't get on a bus, boat, plane or train. They are being held prisoner in their own country. It's absolute tyranny, says Taffy. Thank you so much for that, Taffy. 
Mm. Ah, yeah. It's funny that, you know, we talked about the pressure valve being released a bit, just a little bit. And yet, in some parts of the world, like you think Beijing and elsewhere, um, you think um, it hasn't gone away in those parts of the world, has it? No, it hasn't. Uh, Steve is next in line. Steve has been trying to get in touch with the programme. It's uh, 13, it's 12 and a half minutes to the top of the year. Wednesday's Richie Allen show. Pretty quick week. Is this a feel quick maybe because of the bank holiday? It might feel like a very quick week here in the UK. Back to your comments then. Scroll on down. Peter says, a warning board outside James Joyce pub in beautiful Lyon. He sent me a a clip there. Um, (laughs) There's a sign on the board of the James Joyce pub in Lyon, which was advertised shamelessly by Marisha. Shameless Marisha, but I don't mind really. But the sign outside the board reminds people drinking outside the venue to be mindful of the neighbours. The sign reads, please respect the neighbours and shut the fook up. Shut the fook up. Don't wake the neighbours. Be mindful of the neighbours as you leave. Uh, as you leave the pub and as you congregate outside. Vicky went to Lyon in uh, Euro 2016 for Euro 2016. So Northern Ireland versus Ukraine. Great trips is Vicky. Lovely. I'm having a bit of difficulty taking a call into the system. Remember last time I did a phone-in, had a couple of teething problems just for a minute. They seem to have returned. They seem to have bloom and well returned. Let's try. I'm going to try something here now. I'm going to try something. Hang on, hang on. I'm going to try something. No, it's not working. Hang on. Yeah. No, I'm trying to take a call in. I'm trying to call someone. It might have frozen up on me momentarily. Let me quit it. Let me quit it and get back into it. That might uh, that might clear out any any detritus there in the system. It's funny how that works, isn't it? How many times did you ring a cable television provider uh, over the years to say, everything has gone belly up, it's not working? And the provider said, just unplug it for 15 seconds, plug it back in and it'll work. And then it did. Uh, Patricia says, speaking of 5G, hundreds of dead bees littered the ground around 5G towers disguised as palm trees in California. So that's the third time we've heard of this this evening. Thank you, Patricia. Disguising 5G towers using foliage, using trees. But yet we're told the trees are cut down to allow the signal spread. I've been in touch with Christopher Busby. Going to try and get him back on the programme ASAP. I think he's amenable to coming back on. It's been a while. He is a verifiable expert on this. So he is. Right, Steve has been trying to get through. Let's see, can we get Steve on? I've just rebooted the system. I, I, I waffled a bit while I did that. Let's get... It's Steve. Steve, welcome to the programme. Do turn me off in the background if I'm on in the background and we'll have a chat for a few minutes. Welcome to the programme, Steve. How are you? Hi, Richie. Nice to talk to you. Ah, it's nice to talk to you, my friend. Whereabouts are you? Well, I'm in Herefordshire. Um, um, nice yeah, part just of the world. Board of, in, in between, um, well, in Lebury, a place called Lebury, a little uh, out in the Shires. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. um, yeah. It wasn't an easy time for you during 2020, was it? 
Well, it, it wasn't really, but I've, I've been awake for a long time. Um, and so I, I knew this was coming, but you know what? When I first heard about it, I thought, no, 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 no. When I heard about the agenda, I thought, no, they'll never get away with it. They'll need to jab the whole planet, and people aren't that stupid. They, they'll just never fall for it. But, of course, you know, we are where we are. And um, and so I've kind of been expecting it, really. I mean, we were in um, we were living in France in uh, 2010, and the, the H1N1, I don't know if you remember that, the swine flu. Oh, I do. That, yeah, so, um, I mean, our boys came home from school with a dossier about a centimetre thick on all the reasons why we should get them jabbed. And I thought, well, you know, this this was it. This is what they're trying to do. But and I don't know if you're aware, but all the countries of the world had these contracts with Big Pharma uh, to, and they were obliged to purchase these vaccines when the World Health Organization announced the level five pandemic. And, and France bought 70 million UK, 68, I think, something like that. But people weren't, weren't living in fear. They didn't have the fear. And so they, they, they failed to get this out. And I think that was a bit of a trial run. Do you think so? So you think swine yeah. flu and even bird flu, these were trial runs because pandemics gave people lots of complications, including narcolepsy, didn't it, Steve? It, it certainly did, yeah. Um, I mean, a friend, a friend of mine who, um, who was, uh, he, he had a, uh, a kidney donor, basically. So he, he had a kidney from his mum. And um, he, he was living on that. And of course, he was in the vulnerable group. So they um, they said to him, well, you've got to have the jab. And I said to him, don't have the jab. Whatever you do, do not have the jab. Anyway, of course, he was you know convinced by the powers that be to have the jab. So he had the jab and it actually killed the kidney. I mean, it, it, you know, and since then, he's, he's had to be on dialysis um, twice a week. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it's, it's not good. You know, I mean... You, <laughs> the amount of people that I, I mean, I don't know anybody who's died of COVID, but I know several who, who've actually suffered with the, with the jab. I mean, we had a guy at work. Um, I work at um, uh, college university and we had a, a, a rugby match and one of the coaches, 43, uh, collapsed uh, at the end of a match. Uh, they had to abandon the match and the next day he, he died in hospital. Oh, Steve. You, know, you, you know, there's, but I, that's just one case. I could tell you a lot more. Can I ask uh, you? Obviously, you won't name the gentleman, but but no. did were you able to find out what was the cause, listed cause of death? Yeah, well, the list, listed cause of death was a brain hemorrhage, mm. um, and um, but you know that's just one, Rich. I, I I know at least another six, seven people who suffered. Um, a lot of it, you know, they put it down to COVID, of course, but, you know, there's too much of a coincidence. Um, whereas, like I say, <laughs> all the people I know that have been triple jabbed and, and they've still got COVID. So, you know, it, it's just, um, yeah, uh, people need to connect the dots. Um, and But one of the, the reason I wanted to, to, to talk to you tonight really was very much around what your 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 um, show last night, it was, it was a revelation to listen to Michael. And I think, it probably resonates with a lot of your listeners because what I found, I mean, I, let's say I've been awake for a long time and it's been a lonely, lonely path. But what I've found in the last two years is that w th there are a lot of us, but we're atomized, we're everywhere, but we're coming together more on a spiritual kind of connection. And a lot of people are resonating. I, I mean, my, my circle of friends has changed completely, but all my new friends seem to be um, have a spiritual angle. Which I think, you know, it does resonate. What you, the, the program you had on last night was, um, like I say, it, it was a bit of a re revelation. And I, I mean, I 
I've I've met quite a few mediums over over the years, and some are really. I mean, there's one in particular I think will be a really good guest on your your show. A lady called Elaine Thorpe. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she channels a uh, a guy called Jonathan Jonathan Hunter, and she is amazing because uh, you go onto YouTube and you find all about it. So, I mean, it is really. When I first saw her, I thought, no way, because she's a um, an Essex lady, a, just a normal lady. Um, who, who talks with a kind of like Essex accent, if you like. When she channels Jonathan, he comes into her body and he takes over her body, um, a little bit like Michael was telling you last night. Yeah. And her demeanour changes, but not only her demeanour, her whole voice changes. Jonathan is a, is a very well-educated English gentleman and he comes through and it is really, when you first see it, it it's very, And very, she sounds like when... When she's channeling Jonathan, she sounds like a well-educated English gentleman. Yes, that's it. Yeah. You yes, can't. Absolutely. I don't see how you can fake this stuff. I've got to retain some level of kind of objectivity and kind of take a step absolutely. back, um, because I don't know. I loved listening to Michael. I'm looking forward to him coming back on in early June. Yeah. I believe he's sincere. That's all that matters to me. I can't see how this lady Elaine could fake that. I can't see how she could. Well. Um, Richie, I've had a one-to-one with. She does one-to-ones. Um, it's on Skype. I've had it by by a video link, if you like, but it's on Skype. And so you actually get to ask Jonathan the big questions that we're talking about today. And she would be an amazing guest for you. Very interesting. This, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I mean, you talk to her as a normal person, like we are now, and then she goes into trance, and then Jonathan comes through as this very well-educated English gentleman, and uh, uh, obviously very spiritual. And you would you would ask him, you know, whatever, whatever you want, really. But, you know, I, I mean, I was asking quite big questions, as you can imagine. Um, but, uh, you know, it's um, it's quite a revelation. It's just well worth looking at looking. At, I mean, you know, I, I've got contacts for her if, you, if you want, to, if you're interested. I, but, I, I, I will definitely take a look. And that's that's a, a, yeah. a promise. So the yeah. the the spirit then, Jonathan, what, what would his backstory be? When when did he? When did he exist in the physical realm? Yeah, so she, she actually, I mean, she'll talk, if you get her on the show, she'll talk to you all about it. But she she, um, she went back into his past and he did exist in North London. I think it was Islington, I think. Um, and he, he um, I think she, she found the church with, with um, his records on. Um, and um, yeah, it's quite amazing. Um, so he was like a couple hundred years ago, I, I think. Um, but you know, you talk to her, and she she will tell you that they were together in previous lives together, and they had previous existences. Um, I mean, if, I mean, I I, I am a, a spiritualist, so I don't need any kind of like evidence of life after death. But I I do tell people don't accept what I say. Research it yourself. Get your own evidence because yeah. there's too too many people say you know mine's the only way and the only answer. Do you know what, you, Steve? On that, it's funny you say that. We've got Stephen in Herefordshire, by the way, on the line. We've only, sadly we've only got about three more minutes, but do you know they've managed to poison the minds of the public against what is a fairly logical and reasonable request? They're now mocking people who suggest to people to do a little bit of research. I, I think it's the most natural thing in the world to say to somebody, I've discovered something, but don't take my word for it. You go and have a look for yourself and, and see. And what you've got now in the media, and I heard this even last week, I heard a, a radio presenter laughing saying, you know the nutters, he said, because they're the ones telling people to do their own research. Yes. I mean, that's yeah. what an inversion that is. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously this thing has been driven by fear, and the greatest fear that any of us have is death. But once you, I mean, I don't, there is no death. You know, I know that there is no death, so I don't have any fear. But most people are absolutely petrified of death. And once you've got that, you, 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 once you've got people in fear, you can make them do absolutely anything. And so, you know, that's, that's been the whole, um, the driver has been this fear. Don't you can do granny. anything, Steve. Don't kill granny. That's right. You can do anything if you can get them to do anything if they feel that you will then withdraw the fear um, after the compliance. That's right. That, that's yeah. what I've noticed. Genuine yeah. fear. I, I had some experiences early on in this uh, scam. You know, nearly ended up in a fight in a record shop because a guy screaming at me because I didn't have a mask on. Absolute, and, and you know, I, the last thing I would do is punch the guy because I could see the guy was terrified. He wasn't acting um, reasonably because the guy was scared witless yeah. to be in the presence of a young, you know, ish, healthy guy. So, yeah, yeah. And uh, if, you, if you tell them, you know, do this, do this, this, it'll get better. Doesn't matter how totalitarian it is, they'll go and do it. And we, and we saw that. No, I, I seriously believe what, what they've done over the last two years has been a crime against humanity. I mean, not, not only to, to uh, the elderly, but the youngsters as well. I mean, locking them up for two years and, and, and getting, getting them frightened of, of, of yeah. everybody. It's, it's an absolute crime against humanity. And we will win. We will win this thing. But we need to raise our vibrations and recognise this fear, recognise the tools that they use. I mean, I don't watch mainstream media. The only the news, the news I get is from Richie Allen's show and um, UK column, and and that's you know, and that's it, really. And I and, and I tend to just laugh at it, um, yeah, which which yeah. which hopefully is is raising some vibration somewhere. I don't know if yeah. it is, but you know what, Steve? That's a lovely place to leave it. I've made uh, a note of Elaine's name, Elaine Thorpe, uh, Scouts Honor. I'll have a look. And, I'll send uh, your email address, and uh, and you can have a look. But but she's a lovely lady. She's uh, she would make a fantastic guest. And you could even do a session with Jonathan. Wouldn't that, that be really that, interesting? Wow, well, let's let's set that up, Steve. Brilliant, brilliant. call, Steve. Thanks so much for uh, for getting in touch, mate. Loved um, listening to you. Thank you. God bless you, Richie. And you too, Steve. That's Steve there in Herefordshire, lovely bloke. And uh, that is hugely interesting. So we'll check out Elaine and we'll invite her on. That's uh, pretty much it for uh, Wednesday's programme. Thanks to all the callers. Lovely mix of callers. I didn't use the D word. Diverse callers. No, no, I'm not going to do that. I wouldn't do that to you. It's what I wouldn't do. Um, So that's pretty much it for... um, at the programme. I'm back with you tomorrow Thursday at uh, the usual time of five o'clock. Thanks as well to David Curtin, the founder and leader of the Heritage Party. All the best to him tonight and tomorrow and his and his um his team and his candidates. I'm not endorsing anybody or any party. I'm saying good luck to them and to anybody else who might be standing on anti lockdown and anti-vax mandate platforms and stuff like that. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Take care of yourselves and one another. Closing the programme with Danny Wilson. Everything is one.